0: Here's the question. If you're going to come up with a religious museum, should you be stealing artifacts to fill the museum? That's the bottom line here.
1: Welcome to another episode of season three of Crossing phase My name is Matthew Hawkins. My co-host is John Pena. I was once a policy director for the Southern Baptist Convention, and John Penna, you were once a director of international relations and uh, public policy for what organization?
0: American Islamic Congress. Right. So, it, uh, you know, one of the the voice for, uh, for Islam. Yeah. So it was uh, a really great organization that's still kicking out there, you know, providing a safe space for Muslims to convene, yeah. and uh, outside of... Uh, conservatism and political Islam. So,
1: and uh, that's. The context, when you were working for them and I was working for the Baptists, that uh, we met and collaborated on some stuff. Typically, international religious freedom, sometimes domestic religious freedom. And uh, out of that spawned a friendship that we have drug into the light on this podcast called Crossing Phase. And folks can listen anywhere, most anywhere. You listen podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google iHeart iHeartRadio, Spotify, um, TuneIn. And, of course, uh, my favorite, OverDrive. But um, we're not OverDrive. What is it? It's not OverDrive. That's something different. Overcast. You can listen to Overcast. That's one. Because it's got some pretty cool features. Anyway. um, Overdrive
0: is a horror movie (laughs) with with cars that are possessed that run people down, which
1: that's okay. That sounds about right.
0: Maximum Overdrive. I think it's
1: trucks. I think big trucks. And there's also a library app, I think, called Overdrive. Uh, It's underdeveloped, but it's for uh, like audio books and stuff from from public libraries. Anyway, Overcast is the one I I typically – use for podcasts and of course crossingphase.com, and we're also on the twitter at crossing phase we're on instagram crossing dot phase and i think we're on in. we're certainly on facebook uh, facebook.com slash crossing phase so uh, all the places you are we're probably there um, and uh, john and i wanted to talk about some stuff that's not coronavirus related today we talked about that last time and we're going to do our best to the extent possible to limit our conversation about coronavirus I think um, but we wanted to talk about an antiquities scandal involving a prominent religious institution but you were also um, let's do take a, a quick deep tour on the coronavirus uh, path just for a bit John you were finishing up today doing what for uh, folks in your community
0: oh so you know it's, it's a it's just a it's a grant to bring um, uh food to meals to shut-ins veteran shut-ins veteran and non-veteran shut-ins so uh, getting 100 meals ready and you know it's one thing when you get the grant it's another thing when you gotta figure out who's gonna the
1: grant comes through and you actually have to do the work <laughs> That's the problem.
0: So the funding comes through. Then I, we had to find a vendor that would do it. And I have friends that were at Texas Roadhouse. And so Texas Roadhouse put it all together. But then the food is distributed by the YMCA. So you got to figure out how to convey the food to the YMCA to get the, them to – Cause they, you know, they know the houses and they've been cleared. So they're not gonna, you know, they're just going to drop it off in, in the safe and with, you know, with integrity. Right. So it was, it was trying to organize all the pieces and bag everything and get everything squared away. And, and so, uh, you know, hundred meals out and then another 200 are on the way. So it's, uh, and, and this is something that, you know, it's a government program to make sure that shut-ins are during the coronavirus have what they need to do. Although I was. I was pondering this all. And I think that we need to come up with a Corona cookbook. Oh no. That's my idea. <laughs> so to fund crossing faiths. So, you know, I'm all about that. And I'm pretty sure that, uh, that, that your wife would have some, and your family would have sure. some cool Southern, you know, like, you know, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to even ask. Cause I know, this is, this is, I mean, I'm going to commit a hate crime saying this, but, you know, shoot the deer in the backyard. Don't look at it. Don't admire it. You know, butcher it. You know, have the, you know,
1: I don't know if that's a well, would we, mix. We do have Squirrel deer soup. here in the backyard. I'm not sure we're we, uh, we are, we're not so inclined to shoot them here. We'd rather look at them uh, when they come by in the mornings and the evenings. But, uh, yeah, we would certainly have, it would be an interesting mix of uh, Southern American cuisine and international uh, um inspiration from you. Uh, no doubt recipe number one would have to be babka.
0: Oh, well, babka with diplomacy is my, <laughs> obviously that that's, that's, that's one of my things. That's the things, title, but there's
1: the book title. That's the, the yeah. recipe. Bobka Diplom- diplomacy. There it is. This there is genius.
0: Is. Yeah. So, you know, and then it says Corona cookbook, you know, right underneath. Right. And then, you know, you know, if in the, in the, in the, in the age of the pandemic, you know, just, uh, you know, you know, you don't have to sweat it, you know, just get, the, get this, this one, that one, and the other thing. So we
1: can create a series of Babka Diplomacy cookbooks, and this would be colon pandemic edition.
0: Yeah, so I mean, I mean, I made, I have, I've, have, you know, I've stockpiled soup. I made, so chicken korma is like a, it's like an Afghan soup that's, 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 uh, um, uh, chicken and, and, and Piazza, so American, uh. Um, uh, uh, onion. It's like an onion soup with chicken. And so I got a, I got a freezer full of that right at a rock, just in case.
1: <laughs> well, you were doing your best to uh, contribute to community and uh, facilitate a grant for food. Oh, sorry, that noise was me dropping my highlighter. Um, For uh, folks in your community, uh, it's pretty cool. We are uh, now going to steer into this scandal. Um, this has been populating the news cycle for um, a f- couple years now really uh, back as far as 2017 um, tidbits of this story started eking out uh, but set this up for us John, what did? What have you been paying attention to in uh, the context of a Washington D.C. museum? Oh, we're talking
0: about the Museum of the Bible.
1: Here's the yeah. question.
0: If you're going to come up with a religious museum should you be stealing artifacts to fill the museum? That's the bottom line here. And is... <sighs> And here's the other question is, I mean, we all get, we all get a little, a little passionate Uh about our faiths where we say the ends justifies the means. We get that, you know, I mean, I, I mean, and and that's, but that's where we get into trouble with if it's at the expense of someone else. I would say, for example, we talked about the American Islamic Congress, right? One of the advantages of American Islamic Congress was didn't define who a Muslim is. We didn't tell you how to be a Muslim. And, and we provided a, and as long as you weren't hurting anybody, you weren't being a Muslim at someone else's expense. You were part of the constituency, right? And so, the only, the only middle ground, the only uh, sort of non-touchable was was Israel Palestine because it's so, so it's so polarizing. <laughs> I, my t- t- my t- t- response you, always, well, my response always was, everything that needs to be said has been said. Someone needs to make a decision. <laughs> that, that was that was always what I said, I, and then I went to Israel, um, and it my my opinion changed a little bit. We can that could be a whole show, but the fact is is that if you're going to come up with a, a museum of the Bible, shouldn't yeah. you, and, and 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 what the scandal is is that a lot of artifacts were have been proven yeah. to be uh, uh, taken, stolen, and have been repatriated since that since yeah. this establishment of the of the museum, or, but or if possibly gonna, fabricated. Or fabricated. Yeah. And so if you're going to establish a museum based on faith, shouldn't the faith, the principles of faith guide you in establishing that museum? Otherwise, the, and otherwise you, what happens is what occurred. They've, there's been a scandal. They've, they've had to pay back money. Um, and, it's interesting because uh, it's it's a very wide and an interesting network of people that have been involved in the looting uh, and of, of religious uh, artifacts and 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 establishing the museum. Um, so it's it's pretty crazy. So I mean, and I know that we talked about this earlier and said, well, maybe we should have one a, a show in this or maybe we shouldn't, but. Uh, I mean, yeah. what are your thoughts on this?
1: Yeah, we've been we've been bantering it around back and forth a, a few times. Kind of anytime an article is published, uh, we've got articles up on the website at CrossingPhase.com dot com from uh, Wall Street Journal, from Vox, uh, and, and National Review, um, that, that kind of tell the story of this. But um, they've re- returned a bunch, paid a lot of money. Um, basically, the headline <clears throat> from Wall Street Journal uh, in March was. Um, Hobby Lobby president to return eleven thousand five hundred antiquities to Iraq and Egypt. It breaks down to about five thousand ancient papyrus fragments and sixty five hundred ancient clay objects, because, because the artifacts lack reliable provenance or ownership histories. Yeah, yeah. Well,
0: we'll look at this here. Here we go. One week ago, amid scrutiny. Museum of the Bible founder will return staggering 11,500 artifacts. That's art news, which not mainstream, but it's, you know, I assume that the, the nerds that, that, that are all involved in art read that. Then you have four days ago, Bible museum criticism was justified in big quotes, right? And then founder, founder says, so he's trying to, you know, and then says, and then 22 hours ago, Bible museum admitting mistakes tries to convert its critics. And so, I mean it's it's recent it's here you know it's it man i do they have a good name for their for their for their uh you know for this the shop that serves food there is it is it cool do they have oh uh, yeah like, it was, uh, it's milk and honey the bible? Right?
1: it's called milk and honey is it okay I mean, they have a few, a, a, is that two or three it? different ones but yeah i think there's a milk and honey cafe which is good by the way so so here's here's a good place for me to uh drop my full disclosure i've been to the museum of the bible a couple times, uh, as a, as a visitor. Um, I got to go on some of the hard hat tours, um, while it was being built. That was pretty cool. And, uh, I know a couple of staffers. Um, I taught a class. Um, it wasn't a museum of the Bible class, but I taught for my former employer helped teach, um, a doctoral program there. And, uh, we are just using the Museum of the Bible as a, uh, as a venue. And I, I know some people in the orbit. Um, Steve Green, the owner of Hobby Lobby and, and the uh, primary uh, guy behind the Museum of the Bible, was given a, a Religious Liberty Award from my former employer, the ERLC, uh, a number of years ago from fighting the federal government in a case that Hobby Lobby won. Against the federal government, had, having to do with the uh, federal government forcing employers to uh, pay for uh, board of fashions and contraceptives for uh, their employees, even if it was against their particular um, conscience decisions. And uh, so that's some, some background to where I enter this conversation uh, to, to kind of get out there. However, I have not discussed at all. Um, this antiquities issue with uh, with anybody in that orbit so there's my full disclosure is that sufficient
0: yeah well i you know my my whole thing is and it might come on the on the outside say oh this muslim wants to talk about this because he's bashing the christians no i just our first we're coming back home because our first episode first couple episodes were about artifacts so i always get right so our first couple things were about artifacts and I have a strange, strange sort of. I, I do feel that that uh, the artifacts should be repatriated uh, if if they if they are from a safe place. So now Iraq is not safe. So yeah. I, that does not mean that Iraq should not be justified in having its museums and this that and the other. I. I but let's the, the the example I used earlier was the British Museum when I was asked to leave the British Museum uh-huh. and. If you ever go to the British Museum in London, they have a room that on the floor is sitting the sculptures that go into the top of the Parthenon sitting on the floor. A gift by Lord, blah, 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 blah. And he had them in his garden after he looted it from Greece for decades. And instead of giving it back to the Greeks they decided to open up their own little room Uh at the at the museum and I went there think I didn't even think of it I wasn't even involved in any of this stuff but it was sitting at floor level and I was looking at it and I just said oh my god this is terrible in this with that that tone, nothing really loud. I go, oh my god! And I put, and I, you know how I have hand gestures. I put my hand on my mouth. I'm like, oh my god, oh my god. And this lady comes over to me, and she says, "Is everything okay?" And I go, "Yeah, everything's all right." I go, "I just, I'm pretty shocked to see this here, and then see this gift by Lord Blaza, blah blah blah." And and it, I kind of feel like this thing should probably be back on top of the Parthenon and in Greece. And she said to me, "Oh," she goes. Um, are, are you going to be all right? And I go, Yeah, I'm going to be okay. I just think it's terrible. And she goes, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Um, and I go, What? I go, I'm sorry. And she goes, she, she goes, Well, there's there's some controversy on this, and we do not want any disruption. I go, Well, I'm not disrupting anything. I'm just making a comment and an observation. Walking through the door, and she goes, Well, it's it's there's 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 some controversy about it. And we don't like disruption here. I'm going to have to assess security for you to leave. And I go, No, 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 no. You got to be kidding me. And she goes, Yeah. And that was it, I was walked out in the museum. So, and then only afterwards did I look and see the controversy associated with it. And then it kind of went in the back of my mind. And then we started the podcast a little bit and I've been monitoring the Museum of the Bible and I'm going, you know, these are faith-based, uh, you know, this is. it's even, I would, I would argue that the Parthenon sculpture, I don't know what it's called, is part of the cultural and religious identity of, The greeks
1: yeah
0: you know it's it's so iconic and the parthenon is there was a mosque inside the parthenon they removed it really and i yeah inside the parthenon there was a mosque built there after the you know there and and they removed it and i'm i'm okay with that you know as a muslim i think it was wrong to kind of put that in there so but the problem is is that this thing is a part of their cultural, religious, and really global identity of the Greeks. And it's yeah. sitting in the museum. And it's really, really, it seems, it seems inappropriate. Because Greece is, forget about what's happened with the EU. And the, <laughs> it's in the two sets of books or whatever <laughs> the Greeks have done. I, I don't know. You know, everybody's got pools. And If you fly over, I don't know. People say if you fly over, everybody's got pools. But no one's taxed on pool. I don't know. But the, forget about that. But the fact is, is that it's part of their cultural, ethnic, religious identity. Yeah. And, and, a, and in the high period of Greek culture, which is, you know, we come from a greco Roman background. So it should, probably should be repatriated. And instead, you know, the Brits decided to open up a wing in their museum and honor this lord who had it in his garden for years, who looted it. And then on top of that, they're ask, asking people to leave if they if – they, say something and not even cause a disruption, which I know you have to take me at my word for it that I wasn't starting a revolution. So it it was just, it was, I was just shocked. So when it comes to the museum of the Bible, you know, it's, we're talking about religious texts. We're talking about the transporting and looting of, 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 of religious, you know, clay objects and manuscripts and stuff that's really brittle. And why wouldn't you, if you were going to take a look and, and move 5,000 papyri and 6,500 clay objects, why wouldn't you say, we would like this in the museum? We're going to do what we need to do to preserve it but yeah. we would like to figure out a pipeline. And in the interim, while things are unsafe, we would like to take it on to preserve it and we will repatriate it back. Like that would have been the right move, yeah. right? If in yeah. an ethics and rules and-
1: and, and instead, to be some kind of they, communication and, uh, and understanding um, you know, brought to bear and it, it express whose ownership it really belongs to.
0: And the other thing is, is that if you're gonna be on, if you're gonna do something associated with religion and be on a, you know, Clippity-clop, a particularly high horse. You know, you you need to you need to kind of be clean about things. You know, and yeah. you, know, well, I, I just, you know, I just I don't that. feel that This guy was was is on was he's certainly not on the high ground. And then even still, I I get it. He's got money, so he can do whatever he wants.
1: Yeah. But well, and I've, apparently he had been a collector for many years prior to the Museum of the Bible. So it's it's out of his collection. his It was out of his personal collection um, hobby, more than a hobby, that, that the Museum of the Bible came to be, right? So it wasn't... Uh, the museum, it wasn't like museum came first and then he got into into, into the antiquities market. Uh, he'd been doing this for some time or something like it. Um, and then he's uh, basically used his collection to kind of vault into the, the museum, uh, the museum business. That's kind of my understanding.
0: Yeah, and that's the other thing. I don't, I you know, I, I give him a free pass because of that. I mean, personal collectors, they... I am not gonna I, I get a little nervous about personal collecting, you know, because you you buy this, you do that, but then again, I do I've done it myself, right? I I purchase a few things here and there, nothing big, but I understand that, you know, you you're you're a religious zealots, so you want to you want to you want to acquire things and and they have meaning to you, you know. I, I, like I said, my my distant family comes from 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 Afghanistan, so I I, I like. Bactrian items, things from the kingdom that was there. They speak to me. Like to you know, purchase this or do that, and you hope that you that it's uh, that it has the right prominence with it. But um, but I, and so he did take his own personal items. But the second you do that and go into the public space, you have to be very judicious about making sure that it it is appropriate for it to be in a public space. And if it is, isn't doesn't have the appropriate paperwork or whatever it is, do what you can to make sure that people are going to be comfortable with it. But I guess he didn't do that.
1: Yeah. Or, or they went for speed instead of, um, of assurance and insurance. Um, this is, this is a quote that pops out to me from the national V piece who, um, called uh, Ask Museum of the Bible, colon, The Truth Shall Set You Free. And it's an op-ed by someone who is the founder and director of Art Fraud Insights. And this is a group that uh, Steve Green hired to look into all this uh, as a third party. And her quote here says, Fakes and forgeries permeate every sector of the art and culture market. The risk of fraud is substantial, and no collector or institution, no matter how affluent or sophisticated, is immune to it. Unquote. I mean, that's some some pretty salient advice for anyone entering this kind of world.
0: Well, I, I mean, I first of all, I agree with that. I think I think these guys, poor guys, are you know really um, you know you become a victim of dealers and this and that and everything else. I mean, I look, I was in. I was living in in Afghanistan in, in in 2015 2016 and we went I one of my passions was going to old sites religious sites so I go to Buddhist sites I go to the, like old Zoroastrian Zoroastrian fire temples and um there's even a, a synagogue in in Afghanistan and uh, so I go to Muslim sites you know different multi faith sites as well We were at a a Zoroastrian site, and they were smashing, you know, Taliban guys were smashing artifacts. That's what they were doing. It's terrible. They were, you know, oil, they were taking oil lamps. They were taking all kinds of smashing them because they were, you know, pictures that they were depicting, uh, you know, uh, Mazda, you know, the winged, the Anunnaki guys, you know, these guys with the wings with that. So – they were they were destroying these things so I, I i felt compelled i intervened i said let me i'm going to take the few of these things and they were like they're like no, no 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 and i'm like no 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 we're gonna do this right and uh and i was like what well, you guys are breaking these things anyways will you care and um, and and i did that at a, a buddhist site as well brought them to the museum and they were like yeah we don't really want them I'm like what do you want to do with them they're like well you they're yours yeah i'm like it doesn't seem so and I, you know, so I went to the ministry, went here, went there, and there was no place for them to go. Yeah, and I go, well, is it right for me to take this? Or what do you, want? you know, like, like, you know? And, and so, I mean, I ended up not doing it. But the point is, 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 is that there's, it's, it's very difficult um, for people to figure out what the right action is, particularly Afghanistan. Vacillates between conflict and post-conflict, yeah. um, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, I've sat there where I've flown in, have been sitting there having a dinner with people. All of a sudden there's a new guy sitting at the table and uh, and he says to me, you know, oh, John O'Hara, And, I, you know, and I'm like, why? And he goes, do you know anybody wants to buy five mummies? And I'm like, What? What are you talking about? You know, and then you're like, I'm like, I'm like, no, um, but but I don't know if you're being real or not being real. I don't know if you're how serious you are enough to and then you when you report it to someone, they go, oh, that's just talk. There's always somebody always wants to sell a mummy or two, but there's not really any, you know, so you don't. I, you know, and so it's not my world, you know, I'm a development guy and I'm, I'm a minimalist, so I don't believe in a lot of having a lot of possessions.
1: You don't but deal so, on, you don't deal in mummies on the side.
0: No, you know, I mean, but <laughs> you, you, this the funny thing is, you know, what if I said, I, part of me wants to go, Oh yeah, let me, let me see him. Let, let's, what kind of, my, my, you know, what do we got? What do we got going? But I don't know enough to know whether they're real, not real, what's going on and what's happening. But, um, you know, that's why the Egyptians have locked down the, the industry as much as they can. You know, the the Egyptians are very, very careful and their ministry that deals with all this stuff is very, very careful on access to sites and everything else. I mean, I know that when I was doing business there, AIC had an office there for four years um, and or five years, maybe a little bit more than that. And I remember talking to Egyptians and they were like, oh yeah, there's a whole bunch of tombs in this area, but no, we all know it's there, but we don't, haven't done any excavation yet. And, and it's known, but the international community doesn't really know. It's kind of like a rumor internationally, but we want to be very, very careful. But if you go there, you're in big trouble, you know? And they've locked down the sites very, very carefully, but they're semi-stable, you know, country. So um, I would say stable. So it's, it's very, very tough to figure it all out. I mean. You know, but I, I in Iraq, you could just say, I understand the justification of saying, well, you want to know it's a war zone, therefore we're preserving it by holding on to it. Yeah. Um, but then you run into, if you have it for so long, you run into the issue with the Parthenon, you know, artwork that's sitting. In the in the museum, uh, in, the, in the British Museum, yeah. where people they've they've indigenized it now, and they're not going to repatriate it because it's such a draw, and they feel that it's theirs now.
1: Yeah. So, it's it's tough, man. I mean, what is what a what a sticky world to step into. Uh, so, I think I think muse- the Museum of the Bible is clearly experiencing um, blowback from that, uh, having all this. Uh, be exposed. At the same time, it sounds like you know, according to the folks that they hired, they're trying to make it right. I mean, they are sending the stuff back. I mean, the, there's a there's an yeah, avenue there's an avenue rocks. in which like an, a, an organization, a big institution, like especially a corporate uh, with with kind of corporate backing, uh, you know, they could they could tie this stuff up in the courts for a long time. Uh, but they don't seem to be doing that
0: yeah i mean i i give i don't know who i mean who's the guy is it is it is it steve green is that the guy yeah he's the owner of hobby lobby yeah yeah i mean i just think that's you know he, i think he's doing it i think he's doing a good job but i also feel like you know i'm a good old american i like a fall guy you know i like to have a you
1: know you, know, you need someone uh, to pay was,
0: yeah you know you
1: always <laughs> want someone to.
0: You know, I think it's, you know, you want somebody to, you know, to kind of fall on their sword and say, you oh, know, this is what's going on. But.
1: Well, what's interesting is, you know, one of these guys that's wrapped up in this is uh, this professor named Dirk Obank, who's like an Oxford university professor.
0: You got, you I mean, got. He he's you got looks, by all means, dirty. he looks
1: credible, but he looks <laughs> like he uh, was engaging in some shady activity. Again, we've got some links uh, at crossingphase.com with this episode.
0: Um Hey, look, you got Jerry Patingale who's in the who's on the board and the acting CEO of religion news uh, service and foundation I mean it's I mean this is not
1: a lot of folks are implicated in this it have it's not like uh, there's are these are all like like people you see in the movie like Tomb Raider or something like some kind of ex-military folks who are making dimes on uh, on antiquities like these are a lot of names here are, appear to be credentialed folks that ought to know what they're talking about and could be trusted.
0: Well, I mean, well, here's the thing. You know, I watched maybe three years ago Raiders of the Lost Ark for the first time since I was a kid.
1: Yeah. Yeah. My, uh, my wife, Crystal just watched Last Crusade last night. And, and I'm going, Oh my God, it's, it's ter-
0: <laughs> okay. So, you know, a big fan. Okay. But it was pretty terrible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just pretty terrible.
0: Like, like they're just, you know, you you can get away with it by saying, you know, I know it's the Nazis' fault. The Nazis are, you know, because it's easy to just say the Nazis were mm-hmm. doing it. So you had to figure mm-hmm. it out. But the first, the opening scene where they're just, you know, they're tomb raiding and and, and just bringing stuff back to museums right. and, and and he's saying, well, this ought to pay for a ticket, you know. So like, it whatever, belongs he's in the
1: museum.
0: Yeah. So, um, but I, I guess. You know, look, here's the problem, is that it's an industry. And one of the things that I've been involved in is making sure organizations like ISIS and Al-Shabaab and, you know, uh, all the myriad Al-Qaeda don't have access to these sites to loot them and then create, you know, generate revenue off of it. So, So the mapping, when it comes to mapping out the the roots and the sites and making sure that we could figure out the supply chain is something that I've been heavily involved in, in the last five years. And uh, it's, it, it, it's amorphous. Sometimes it's like 5% of my time and sometimes it bumps up to like 30% of my time. And it's, it's pretty, it's, it's very lucrative. Um, it's, it's hyper, hyper damaging to the, to these, uh, heritage sites and these, and these, these, these ancient sites. And then the third thing is, is that you never, this stuff could come out of circulation and then you never know it existed. So, um, you know, and it's missing, it's missing pieces, the bits and bombs that we're all looking for, you know, that, that means something. Um, and so, uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's a synagogue, there's a synagogue in Afghanistan right now. And, you know, when I went there, I was shocked. I go, these are like old school. And when they say old school, like you know, fifth century Jewish Hebrew oil lamps, and then all these texts that are that, that are just rotting away. This the uh, Torah scrolls, and then stuff like that. I go, oh my god, oh god, oh my god, what was? Can we? What's? Can somebody do something? And it, it's difficult because I think in the Jewish tradition, there's a there's a process of when something becomes when that when a when a text does it ceases to be uh, a religious text in the in the in the sense that it can be used in ceremonies and stuff yeah. and so there's no purpose in transport transporting and translating it uh transporting it or conveying it someplace but some of the artifacts like a you know a a hebrew or jewish oil lamp from you know, the the eighth century or sixth century that's in Afghanistan was made by a uh, flourishing Jewish community. I think it's I think that's sexy. I think that's hot. You know, somebody should, you know, somebody should get on that. And uh, but when you bring it up to people, it's like, well we don't know. Oh, I don't know. We've got some in they you know stored away somewhere. It's okay. And um, and then I could see somebody saying, Well I'm gonna put this in the bag. You know, <laughs> and I'm gonna go home with it. You know, and then, you know, when you need a little cash before you know it, it's, it's on
1: eBay. Yeah. I can review uh, article the expert seemed, you know, indicates the, the pace at which these things are sold. You know, on the one hand, you ha- they have a lot of the science that has caught up to be able to screen for forgeries and fakes and, and, and or even confirm things. But typically that, that work uh, is done long after the sale. Right. When you're a seller, you don't exactly want your stuff to be sitting around being subjected to the scientific process. If you have any doubt about its provenance or its, or its very, um, uh, its validation, right? Look, I've been
0: I've been to in Turkey and and uh, Israel, and you know I have a way of getting through the door to wherever. And I've seen some pretty crazy things. I'm going. Is this real? You know, like you get into the market, and then you go into the into the shop, and then you go into the shop within the shop, and then before you know it, you're down an alleyway, and this guy's like, "You're an American, you know what's going on? Oh, you want to know what? There, here's this, here's a sword, you know?" I go, "What?" You know, so I mean, it's it's pretty common. There's a lot of artifacts. I don't. I just, I I, I think that all private don't private collectors should the women that have these large collections, instead of being frightened about things, should say there should be a process for them to, there should be some process for them to hold on to their collection, even if it's just like a life estate. And they hold it on until they die and then it gets donated to the museum or whatever it is. And and regardless of how they acquired it, um, with some exceptions, I think if it's, you know, if it's Nazi stuff, you know, where it was confiscated during the Holocaust, there's, you know, there's there's a pretty decent process, I think, for repatriating that stuff, stuff to the to the descendants of the family members and stuff like that. But I think that there's there's got there should be some some system in place because it's either keep it quiet and don't show anybody or right. you're caught and you're done. And I think that's what this guy Green was was involved in. And I, again, I don't I don't put a, you know, you could you could turn around and you could say, listen, I think everything is on the up and up. I'm going to open up a museum. You know, you know, what could possibly happen? And this is what could possibly happen. But what a great opportunity for him who's got a lot of cash to come up with a process that says, "Look, here's the deal. If you're a private collector, this is what we want. We we're, we're going to you can have a life estate you know, with with the stuff. Uh donate a portion of it. Anything that's fake or anything that's that should be repatriated will be repatriated upon your death, because countries last forever, people don't. You know, so just you know, you could come up with a whole cool process, and that shows due diligence, and that shows some a pretty neat deal. It'd be a, a component of the museum, right? That would say Museum of the Bible. You know, we learned our lesson, type of thing, and and it, it, we help. Uh, it's it's organized and ran. This partial portion of the museum is run by a third party, independent third party, who verifies stuff and then repatriates it after it's done. Wow. How cool would
1: that be? There ways around this. I think Museum of the Bible. I think Museum of the Bible people are uh, adapting their strategies and uh, their protocols. One one interesting tidbit here from the Wall Street Journal article. Um, I mean, we just listed. We the reports are saying eleven over eleven thousand objects. Half about half of them are are clay objects. About half of them are are papyrus, Um, but only one of those objects that are being returned. Uh, are one that the museum I- even exhibited. So like all of these were yeah. in the museum's and Mr. Green's holdings, um, but weren't actually used uh, to date um, as an exhibit at the museum, um, which kind of gives you a sense of the scope um, of their collection. So he has volumes of collections that are being exhibited. There was only one, one clay tablet, it says, uh, detailing some of the epic poem of Gilgamesh, the Sumerian king. That was the only piece yeah. of this collection that was exhibited uh, for the public. So, uh, but yeah, I think a lot of lessons are learned here. And you know, you know, at the beginning you said something about, oh, the, <laughs> you're the Muslim guy who wants to attack this, you know, the Christian folks doing the museum, um, or you were saying that a little tongue in cheek. But I think it really does speak to the burden that Christians, in particular, and I think you would agree, all religious institutions have. Like, aside from the particulars of, um being ethical and honest in your dealings. Um, like there's a public relations, um, interest, you know, um, when, when you're, you're this kind of a public institution, whether you're a church or a charity or a museum, like you engage this kind of stuff, it risks not only blowing back on your institution, but all of those uh, people who are affiliated with your faith in this case, Christians.
0: Well, I mean, here's, it goes back to one of our first episodes. Look, there's a painting in, in, that's, that's prominently displayed in, in Istanbul. And it's right after, it's right after the sacking of, of Constantinople. And it's right there in, in the, in the square, right in front of, it's right on the hippodrome, right where the, um, the Hagia Sophia is, and there's a huge pile of relics you know, and it's supposed to be like piece of the cross. We, you know, that the, 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 uh, the staff of, of, uh, I want to say staff of Rob, but that's not, that's the staff of Moses and, and all these different artifacts are sort of piled up as spoils of war. Okay. And you know, all that stuff was part of Christendom, you know, yeah. it was, that was, you know, that's, uh, that, that was, that was, but it was conquered. There's spoils of war and, you know, how far back do you go when it comes to repatriation or when you start thinking and considering these things? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and imagine, we our first...
1: I imagine that you got to think about repatriation and uh, honoring the original culture and, and those people. Um, you all, also, like you said, in the war zones, you got to uh, take into account security, um, whether it's in a region that's actually going to that those antiquities are actually going to survive. Uh, and, I, you know, I think thirdly, there's, a, there's another element. To the extent that this stuff can be done above board um, and shown to the rest of the world, I think it's, gotta, it, it's one way that uh, particularly we in the West can uh, have a better appreciation for ancient cultures and, and cultures that are not of our own one way to see those is a, in a, in a museum nearby or at least in our own nation. Um, now how that's accomplished, right. We've discussed, there's a lot of risks and a lot of trade-offs. Um, but that, that, you know, that mission in it, in itself is not a bad one.
0: Look, Musa more Moses in Islam is one of the unmovables, right? He's one of the, the, the main guys, right? We are, you know, the, 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 religion, right. The, of, of, of Abraham Moses Esau, right that's the lineage and that and that's something that is said right that is, that is said quite prominently so you know it's it's Abraham Abraham Musa Moses Isa Jesus that's that's that is the just one of the justifications of the lineage that goes all the way it's not it's it, it's not the religion of of Hazrat Muhammad uh, peace be upon him and his family and all of them on their families. The reason is, is that we're part of this lineage. And so I'd be lying to you. It would, it affected me when I saw Moses's staff. I was like, no way.
1: Yeah.
0: We had, and there was, and there was, there was. Privalidating Abraham's, that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have no idea. You know, I, again, people, there's a bunch of nerds that, and eggheads that say it is. So, and then they had uh, uh, uh uh, Abraham, Abraham's bowl. They had a, a a stone sort of bowl and some of the artifacts. And I go, no, it's no, no way, no way. And then they had uh, 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 Fatima and 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 Hazrat Ali. His some of the, his, these artifacts. And I'm going, how do they have this in the museum here? And so it was a profound moment to be around these artifacts that witnessed the individual and the events. Yeah. And, and you know, and I'm not going to buy this or do that. And I know that in your tradition, your know, artifacts aren't the biggest thing in the world. And, and I, you know, it's not such a big thing in my world, but it, it it did have an effect where I was amazed to be in proximity at that moment and was surprised that it even existed, yeah. you know, and uh, and I think that to take that away from people is it's it's not right. You know, it's it's not right. So, I think that uh, I'm 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 really a, I'm I'm most gratified that that this 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 green guy is is uh, Hobby Lobby guy is is making amends because saying you're sorry doesn't mean anything. Making amends yeah. is 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 what he's doing, and I think that he has the means to actually establish like a, like a cool process to make sure that that there's there's some way some place in the middle for these collectors. Yeah. I think a lot of collectors are just afraid to even go go to light because this is this scares people, and then we are losing out on all these wonderful artifacts.
1: I think you're right. I think you're right. Uh, the Green Green family and the Museum of the Bible, uh, among others, have a really great opportunity here. So having having seen some mistakes and having been corrected and uh, now making amends um, could you know marshal that experience to influence the entire industry well and and here's the
0: thing you do it is the museum of the bible so you know let's get to, you're gonna have quite a bit of moral ground you you, you know by by just establishing some sort process or at least a statement to that effect you know that that this is we'd let you know this is this is where we think it should be and where it should go and you know the museum is happy to help facilitate that through a third party i think It'd be wrong if the museum did it itself. But if you had a third party in it being attached to the museum, you know, it it completely flips everything on its head. Um, And and so, like I said, you know, I I do feel that victimization of of an individual who's trying to preserve an artifact through purchasing it or buy an artifact in good faith is, you know, there's no that you can't fault you know this this the Hobby Lobby you know owner for the for that, but
1: even though you um, want someone to burn,
0: <laughs> I do want I do feel like I do feel like you well, want to find the bad like guy. An, You want to find
1: something. the shadowy dealer.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know there should be something. I look as somebody who's you know kind of like you, you want know, someone a, to do a bad perp. boy of government relations.
1: You want someone to do a perp walk. I understand.
0: You know, I, I think we're all under a little bit of a micro. Uh, was it uh, uh, a little bit of a of a lens that gives us a, you know, it makes us all a little bit nervous about stuff. But yeah, I do feel like there should be, you know, it was it was Damien, you know, you know, Speaking Damien did it. You yeah, know,
1: so all right, my friend. Um, uh, I think that's all for today. You got anything else?
0: You know, this this I got this guy this tweet that I was looking at, and it just um. The church as we know it is probably over. And th- and Don't, this believe, guy, it. Don't believe it. He's responding to this. which And this is the best response that I've ever seen. So he goes, guys, we've been doing this for 2,000 years. In the words of G.K. Chester Chesterton, yeah. at least five times the faith has, to all appearance, gone to the dogs. In each of these five cases, it was the dog that died. This guy... I'm trying to think. Who is this guy? This is Josh Howerton. Do you know him? I don't. Senior pastor. I don't know how you become a senior at the Lake Point Church. And all I can say is, this guy's got it. Yeah. He's like, this is not the moment for us to cry persecution. Let's just, let's just roll with it. We've yep. we we, fi- we figured it out before. I, you know. I I just I think this guy's got it. And and what a great great response. Um. And people said, you know, that's magnificent, um, you know, and all this other stuff. But then they got people saying, right? Question mark. I don't know. Like,
1: you know, like, you know, like I think, think, you know, North American churches in particular, they're going to, it might change the way we do things in the future. We might adapt a little differently uh, coming out of, uh, you know, maybe two to three months of not gathering in the traditional way. Um, So we might learn. A few new tips and tricks, and uh, might, it might look a little different, but it's not going away. That's silly.
0: You know, we're all, we're all in this together. You know, and so here's the thing: is that we're never going to be a completely Christian or completely completely Islam, Islamic or Muslim or Buddhist or Hindu. We're never going to be a total planet. I don't believe that that'll ever happen. I think we. But it's 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 amazing. We all have survived. We all will survive, you know, and we all have these internal and external struggles. You know, ours is political Islam is one of ours is one of the biggest struggles that we have that we've got our internal housekeeping we need to deal with. Right. Yeah. But but externally, we're all dealing with the same thing. We all can assemble. We're all sitting here, um, not part of, you know, my I advocate that the religion is is what community, right? It's its identity and it's theology, those three things. And. We're, we're, we have to still have the, everybody. We still have the theology. We still have the identity. It's the community aspect that's missing. And I always say you can survive with without one of the three for, for a fixed period of time, but certainly not two. And because uh, some people have an identity and some people are part of the community, but they're not they're not up on their theology. Right. Yes. Yes. So in this case, the community is dropping. Right. And and um, we, we've we have all these first and second dimensions to deal with to interact with Twitter or FaceTime and hold yep. meetings and it gives us the challenge to be more dynamic. And that's 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 what this guy's saying. He's saying, look, we'll figure it out. Everything's yep. gonna be okay. Yeah. You know, so um, I think we can, you know, in that part I think we I think we have a show.
1: Yeah. Very good. The show is crossing phase. My name is Matt Hawkins, my friend is John Pinna. And we are at CrossingPhase.com. We're on Facebook at CrossingPhase. We're on Twitter at CrossingPhase. And even some Instagram from time to time. Uh, Crossing.Phase, I think, is our name over there. And also on Twitter at MTHawk. And my friend John is at JT JTPenna. Hit us up on any of those outlets. Please let us know what you think of the show. Please rate and review us, especially on the iTunes store. Let us know what you think, good or ill. Uh, and send in questions for future shows. We'd love to chat with you.
0: Yeah, and, we, and we're also building up our our speaker base. We're mobilizing our, our uh, this this season all of, a lot of our contacts to have guest speakers. As we and we started that last season, and so we're going to be digging into that. So we're looking forward to sharing that with everyone.
1: This has been Crossing Phase with Matt Hawkins and John Penna, a podcast of Rolltop Productions. If you like what you hear and would like to help defray the cost of the show. Consider sponsoring us on Patreon by visiting crossingphase.com. Crossing Phase is available on all your favorite podcast outlets, including iTunes, Google Podcast, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. We'd appreciate your review of our program, especially in the iTunes Store. Let us know what you think of the show via Twitter at MTHawk, at JTPinna, or at Crossing Phase. Music for this episode is courtesy Vajra whose music is available at thevajratemple.com, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon. Show notes for this episode and more are available at crossingfaiths.com.